All right, I want to welcome all of our campuses, those that are joining us online, and of course, every week, all the men and women in the Orleans Justice Center and the St. Tammany Parish Chief. I want to welcome you guys to a message I've entitled, The Process of a Dream. Come on, can we just welcome them right now? So good to have everyone. Before I get into my message, I want to take just a moment and mention a couple of things. First of which is I want to just say that Jennifer and I, of course, are continuing to pray for all those uh, in the Gulf Coast region. Our five campuses there throughout the New Orleans and the Baton Rouge and, of course, the Mississippi Gulf Coast area. All those that have been impacted uh, by Hurricane Ida, uh, of course, continuing to pray. And I know there's a lot of people, you know, they're just, you know, feeling weary, tired after now two weeks of cleaning up and and I've got just a couple of things I want to say to you. Number one, we're not only praying for you, but God loves you and God's with you. And I think it's so important for us to not forget that God is with us. God is helping us in the storm. I also want to say I am so proud of the nearly 2,000 dream teamers from Church of the King uh, that have been serving uh, around all of our campuses. We have served over 70,000 thousand meals, uh, cleaning up yards, cutting trees. We've partnered with Eight Days of Hope, Convoy of Hope, the George Shin Foundation, Joyce Myers Ministries, the ARC, the Association of Related Churches, uh, all the national organizations that have come to help us. And again, the 2,000 volunteers from our churches, from our campuses. Can we just give it up for all the volunteers and all the great work that they've done this last two weeks? Man, it is an honor an honor to do it with you guys. I, I also want to say this, and I think it's very important to note, that this weekend uh, we are launching, it's been planned for about a year, uh, but we are launching what's called our Atlanta South Campus, uh, right there in Peachtree City, Georgia, in the southern part of the metro Atlanta area. Uh, it's a bit of a miracle story. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, there was a couple that were in our church a number of years ago, actually on our South Shore campus, which we now call the West Espinade campus. Uh, Amanda Solvinson was actually on staff as our dream team coordinator. Incredible job. Her and Jonathan, great young leaders, and they moved to Atlanta a number of years ago. And during COVID a year ago, uh, when there was a shutdown, people weren't going to church, uh, they started inviting people over to their home uh, to watch Church of the King. Uh, during that time. And over a month and then two months and three months, they started having a lot of people in their home. Then they opened up another home. They ended up having about 100 people in four homes. And uh, through a conversation with one of our lead team members, they asked us, would we consider starting a Church of the King campus? And I am very excited uh, to announce that after one year of all of them meeting in homes, this weekend in McIntosh High School, uh, we are starting uh, Church of the King right there. We're opening up, launching a campus. We know that there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people watching us. Can we just welcome Church of the King, Atlanta South Campus, and McIntosh High School? Come on, right now. Can we just welcome them? Yes. So excited to have them. We are thrilled about that and all that God is doing there. So I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you about the process of a dream, the process of a dream. One of the things that I've learned as I've walked with Jesus uh, now over 30 years is that God is into process. He is into 
uh, a journey. In other words, the Christian life, although it begins when you're born again, once you're born again, you enter into a process. Matter of fact, there, there's this lie in the body of Christ. And here's the body of Christ lie. You guys ready? Here it is. When somebody says, well, they're a mature Christian. Well, let me just help everybody. This is so important. All of our campuses. I don't believe there's any such thing as a mature Christian. I believe there's a concept called a maturing Christian. Because none of us are fully cooked until we go to heaven. I want everybody to understand that. I've said this many times. We're all in a crock pot. My mom cooked a lot of things in a crock pot. We're all in a crock pot on low. When we're finally, quote, matured, if we can say it that way, is when we die and we see Jesus face to face. But when, when we're in the here and now, we're growing. And I'll tell people this all the time. Listen, God does not expect perfection, but he does require progress. And that's so important that we understand that the Christian life, it's a life of, of growth. It's, for, for example, we grow from faith to faith. Isn't that interesting? In the Bible, glory to what? Say it, glory. We go from faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength. In other words, the Christian life as a life of growth. And by the way, healthy things grow. Healthy marriages grow. Healthy people grow. By the way, healthy churches grow. People come to Christ, they're disciples. Then they lead others to Christ, and then they're disciples. So anything that's alive and it's healthy, it grows. Now I'm gonna give you guys a, a, a big concept, all right? Here's the concept, theologically speaking. There's a concept called the hypostatic union. What that means is we believe as Christians, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ, all right, is fully God, 100% God, but he's also 100% man. That's the hypostatic union. He's not 50-50. He's 100% and 100%. Now, in his humanity, he grew. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Let me read this to you. This is important. The Bible says, in Jesus, what's that next word? Can you say it out loud? Say it, increased. Jesus increased, number one, in wisdom. Number two, in stature. What does that mean? He wasn't placed on the earth as a full-grown man like Adam was. He, he was born a baby, right, in Bethlehem. So he increased in wisdom. He increased in stature. And the Bible says he increased in favor with God and man. I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. If Jesus Christ had to grow in wisdom, if Jesus Christ had to grow in stature and in favor with God and man, how much more should we grow as followers of Jesus? It is incumbent upon us that we enter into, watch this, a relationship with Christ, but then we grow in our destiny in Christ, in our purpose in Christ. But there's a beginning point. The beginning point when you, quote, begin your journey in your walk with God is when you're born again. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new what? Say it, creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become New. Now, I've told you guys, and you guys have all heard my testimony. Uh, those of you that are guests, I'll probably say it once a, once a month. It's in a message. And, you know, I, I, I gave my heart to Christ when I was in college. But it's funny, my mom likes to forget some of this. But uh, I was number one on her prayer list, by the way. I, I, I found out something. We went to church when we were 12 years old. Matter of fact, we grew up in a church. I say this respectfully. I honor all Christian churches. But I went to a church as a kid where you didn't move around. In other words, when you're in church, if you moved around and your mom saw you, uh, you well, it wasn't good. Let me just say that. 
And uh, I'll never forget, we went to, so, so, but when I was 12, we went to another church and we walked into the church. I'd never seen anything like it before in my life. They had drums on the stage. I didn't even know that was legal in church. They had people playing guitars and all these different things and, and the preacher was kind of screaming and spitting on people and the whole thing. And my brother and I, I was 12, he was 14 and the preacher would get off the stage and walk. I'll never forget one time he was walking to us in the back and I told him, he's coming to get you, Keith, because you're wicked and evil. I remember saying that to my brother. And then I found out this thing called a prayer list. I found out about what intercessors are and I saw my mom's prayer list one time and on the top of it, the top was my heathen son, Steve. So my mom prayed for me. Everybody was praying for me. Matter of fact, if you were a Christian in the 80s, you probably prayed for me. My mom would give you $10. I mean, the fact is, she, I was on everybody's prayer list. And, 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 and my mom would routinely tell me, I'm praying for you. God's got his hand on you. I pray God saves you or God kills you. I said, okay, I'm open. I'm open, mom. Finally, I graduated from high school, and then I went to Tulane University, and I lived with my parents for the first semester, and, and uh, I was going to walk on and play college football. I was going to move down in uptown New Orleans, so I lived with my parents. My parents told me, if you live in this house, you're going to church. I said, you can't make me do that. They said, well, get out. I said, well, I'll go to church, but, but I don't think it's right. And I remember I went to a church in Metairie on a Sunday night, and I was walking out, and two girls invited me to a Bible study. I was not a Christian at the time. Two girls invited me to a Bible study. One's name was Nicole. The other one was Linda. And I remember on that Wednesday, that was a Sunday night, going to that on a Wednesday. I remember going on Wednesday night. I walked into that Bible study. I thought to myself, what are all these? These people are like Jesus freaky people. I'll never forget that night when the Bible study leader said, is anyone here that needs Jesus? Is there anyone here that needs to trust Christ as your Savior? And I remember closing my eyes and putting my head down and praying a prayer. God, if you can save me, I felt like I'd sinned too much that God could never forgive me. I also felt like I needed to change and then come to God. I want to tell everybody at every campus, you don't change and then come to God. You come to God, he changes you. And I remember I prayed a prayer and I got born again that night. And I'm going to tell you what happens when you get born again. Here it is. Two unique things. Number one, when you get born again, here's what I believe. God the Father does this. Here's what he does. He blows his Holy Spirit into your heart. When you become a Christian, you're not just forgiven of your sins. You're actually born again, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But number two, I believe that God also does this. He blows his dream into your heart. I want to talk to you about the process of a dream. I'm going to share a little bit of my story, a little bit of the story of our church. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, the process of a dream. Number one. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. Number one, God is the dream giver. God is the dream giver. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. There's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Abram. Watch what happens here. Here's what the Bible says, verse 1 of Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's interesting if you understand a little bit about the Bible here, is that Abram at the time was, well, he was, 
He was a polytheist right before this Genesis chapter 11. He, he, he didn't come from this Christian. He didn't grow up as a, you know, in this God-fearing home. And no matter of fact, he was a polytheist. He worshiped many gods. And God called him into relationship. Remember what I said. When God calls us into relationship with him, what he does is he puts his dream into our heart. And what God told Abram is, here's what he said. He says, Abram, I've called you not only unto myself, but I've also called you to be something. What? And to do something. I've called you to be a father of many nations. Now, there's a problem with that. Number one, he was 75. His wife was 65. And his wife was barren. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Well, you know what? I mean, 75 and 65, that's kind of like being a toddler in Bible times. No, it isn't. They lived very old before the flood, Genesis chapter 6. After Genesis chapter 6, man's life was cut short to 120 years. They didn't live 900 years like Methuselah back in Genesis 12. They didn't. So his wife was barren. And here it is. God's called him to what? God's called him to be a father. How can you be a father when your wife is, is, is not able to have children and you're past the age of childbearing? Anyway, how, how's that possible? The reality is, is that the longer I've walked with God, I find that God places a dream in our heart that is impossible for us to accomplish on our own. Uh, by the way, I have people ask me all the time, hey, you know, Steve, how, how do you know? How do you know if like what's in my heart is a God dream or a good dream? Let me give you one thing. And I've done whole series on visions and dreams. And, and, but, but let me give you one way. How do you know what's in your heart? How do you know if it's a God dream or just, in other words, a good idea or a God idea? A God dream or a good dream? How, how, do, you, how do you know the difference? A God dream is so big, the weight of it is so great, it actually pushes you to a point where you actually need God's help to accomplish God's dream. Does that make sense? In other words, you need God's help. You're dependent upon God. And let me tell you something. When God puts a dream in your heart, it's a weighty thing. And he's the one that helps you to fulfill it. I want everybody to say this every campus at the count of three. One, two, three. I want you to say, God is a dream giver. You guys ready? Here it is. One, two, three. Say it. God is a dream giver. He's the one that places the dream in our heart. Matter of fact, not only on a personal level, God will give you a dream for your life, for your family. I believe that God, as you walk with God, those of you that own businesses, God will give you a dream for that. It's God's business. God has a dream for churches. I'll never forget when God called Jennifer and I. I was preaching to teenagers. I lived in Metairie. I was across the lake. I was a youth evangelist and had a ministry called Next Generation, and a Bible club ministry to junior high and high school kids and I remember when God called me and God placed it in our heart. Jennifer and I, I was coming back from Eunice, Louisiana. Ever, anybody ever been there before? Yeah, it's pretty small. But anyway, so I remember coming back from Eunice, Louisiana and God spoke to us. This was the August of 1999. And here's what God said. I'm sending you across the lake to raise up a ch church to touch a region and beyond. Here's my point. Church of the King is not my dream. It's God's dream. Thank God it's not my dream. Let me tell you something. All the adversity that we've gone through, I would have given up a long time ago. And I want to share this with everybody. God is the one who's a dream giver. The moment that you're born again, God starts speaking to you by his spirit. And God is the one who puts a dream in your heart. Number one, God is the dream giver. Number two, the second thing that I see here is that as you see in Abram's life, delays are always inevitable. Not only is God the dream giver, but delays are inevitable. 
I mean, we all want the dream in our heart, right? God, give me this dream. Lord, put this in my heart. Lord, put this big dream. And then we want it to like come to pass so fast. I'm ne- Let me give you an analogy. I'll never forget. I-, I have a brother two years older than me. And my brother, Keith, and he was a great brother, uh, other than he would bite me when we were little on the arm. But anyway, so, and so I, I never forget, and we had two twin beds, and, and we shared a room, and our, at nighttime, he was, a, he was a big reader. Hardy Boys book. Anybody remember Hardy Boys books? Anybody remember that? Come on, 1970s. Y'all remember that? You, yeah. Okay, so here, and, and so I remember, I'll never forget my, the night before I went to kindergarten, he told me, he says, Steve, kindergarten's a big deal. You know, he's mentoring me, right? I said, really? He says, yeah. He says, uh, you know, when you go to kindergarten, you learn how to read. Oh, man, that's awesome. I'll learn how to read. Watch this. I go to kindergarten the first day. I come home, and I'm like shattered. I'm like, oh, God. I'm just... I mean, I was literally, I remember crying, okay? And I remember my mom coming up to me. She goes, she goes Steve. She, I mean, she called me Stevie. Stevie, what's wrong, honey? What's wrong? I said, Mama. <laughs> Last night, Keith told me that when you go to kindergarten, Mama, that you learn how to read. <laughs> Mama, I went to kindergarten today, and I did learn how to read. She said, honey, you learn how to read throughout the year. Now, I know that's funny, but that's how a lot of Christians are. God puts a dream in their heart. They're like, Jesus, you've got till 5 o'clock today for it to come to pass. We, we don't like the delight. We want the big dream. And God's put this big dream in our heart. But man, we want it to happen when we want, how we want, on our timetable. The problem is that's not how it works according to the Bible. Everybody say, God is. Come on, say it. Say it. God is the dream giver. I want you to say this. Say, delays are always inevitable. Watch this. Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 12, God puts the dream in Abram's heart. Genesis chapter 16, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. By the way, 10 years. He no longer is 75. He's now 85. She's no longer 65. She's 75. It's been 10 years. Yet they've not had a baby. By the way, the longer the delay, the more the temptation to give in to the lies of the enemy. Unless you understand there's always a delay. That's, by the way, that's the spiritual warfare zone right there. God spoke to you. You're supposed to have a husband and a wife. What happened? And what's going on? And when are you going to start your own business? And God's put this. Yeah, where is your God now? One year, two year, three year, ten. This is when the warfare in the mind starts. Big time. Ten years. What happens? So he went into Hagar and she conceived. Whom she saw that when she saw that she conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. What happened? Abram and Sarai failed. Watch this. Don't miss this. Because they took matters into their own hands. Man. How many times in our lives, because we've not wanted to wait, we've not wanted to, we, we've not wanted to, 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 to go through the process. We get frustrated. We get frustrated. Where is God? 
I can't tell you. I'll never forget when a lady told me years ago, uh, in the first couple of years of our church, she, she told me, she goes, Pastor Steve, I'm never, I'm never ever going to another wedding from one of my girlfriends again. Never going to it again unless I'm wearing the white dress. The fact is, is that she felt God had given her a promise, and I'm sure he did, but she was frustrated with the timing. How often do we get frustrated with the timing in our life? God gives you a dream. God gives you a hope to see something happen. It doesn't happen when we want, how we want. And then we start, it's that, it's in the, that is what I call it the spiritual warfare zone, 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 right there. And the fact is, is there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure to try to make it happen in our own strength. Well, that's exactly what Abram did. And that's exactly what Sarah did. Hey, there's no baby yet. We're not getting younger. Abe, hey, hey, we're not getting younger. Why don't we just kind of help the Lord out here just a little bit? I never forget when I was in my second year of Bible college. I went to college and graduated. Then I went to Bible school for two years. Then I went to seminary after Bible school. So I did some things kind of backwards, but... But my second year Bible college, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure when you're graduating from Bible school of, of where, what are you going to do? And I'll never forget. I mean, people literally make like business cards, you know, and I never forget this guy. He, he had a card, you know, I'm going to be, I asked him, you know, what are you going to be? He goes, I'm going to be an apostle, an apostle to Mexico. Apostle. That's like high level. <laughs> That's like in the Bible stuff. You know, I, thought, I didn't even know they're doing that anymore, man. You get to be an apostle. This other guy told me, he goes, I'm going to be a prophet to France. An apostle? A prophet? I was a waiter. Come on, are y'all with me or not? I thought, I thought man, I, these people are like high-level people, man. And, and I remember, remember that. So, you know, Steve, what are you going to do? And I would say the answer that every Christian says when they have no idea. I'm just kind of praying about it, which means I don't really know. Well, the truth is I didn't have an opportunity. Nobody was asking me to go be this big preacher anywhere. I graduated from college and I graduated from Bible school. I went back to New Orleans. I, I did start seminary in my master's degree, but I didn't have an opportunity to preach anywhere. And, and so I was waiting tables at Semolina's restaurant. That's what I was doing in, Bible, in seminary. But, but and, and the reality is I never forget one time my friend came and uh, I, graduated I graduated college three years prior to this. I guess two, it would have been going into my third, three years ago. And because I went through, graduated in 91, 92, 93 Bible school. So this is now 93. So it's going into the third year. This guy is a junior in medical school at, in Nashville at Vanderbilt University. And I remember his Mardi Gras and he came and sat at my table. Now he never got saved in college and he thought I lost my mind when I got saved in college, by the way. And I remember him waiting on my table and I knew he was going to come. And I remember walking up to the table and just kind of just walking like this. And he looked at me. And, and, and I remember he, looked, he had bright red hair, bright red beard. And he looked at me and he goes, Steve. He goes, dude, what are you doing here? Like, didn't you become a priest? What are you doing here? Now, let me ask you. This guy's not saved. The Holy Spirit's not. He doesn't have a biblical worldview. He doesn't understand anything about the Bible. How do you tell somebody like that? Oh, brother. No, no. Jesus has me here. He's building character in me. I'm growing in Jesus. They don't understand that stuff. I never forget that day. I remember walking back through my little apron over my shoulder. And, and by the way, it's nothing wrong being a waiter, but I wasn't trained to be that. I mean, I'd been to college and Bible school and all this stuff. And, and I remember thinking to myself, God, if I've got to do this forever, God, I'm going to do it with a good attitude. I said, but, 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 but there's times where it's just tough. I had a dream. God spoke to me. 
that I was going to be this preacher. And I remember when I was in, in, in small group in college at Tulane, I was a junior, and God spoke to me. God would give me pictures. God was, he was showing me a, perf, a, a preferable picture of my future. God will speak to you. God, the Bible says part of the mark of an Acts 2, a New Testament believer is dreams and visions. God will speak to you. Everybody say, God is the dream giver. I want everybody to say, delays are always inevitable. I think about when God spoke to, to me about Church of the King and Jennifer and I. And, 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 and it's a big dream to be able to plant campuses around the world and to reach people for Christ. And, and I'm going to tell you something. And every time you go through something, I'm going to tell you that dream's tested, isn't it? You go through Hurricane Katrina. By the way, we did a big capital campaign in 2003, 4, and 5, right up to Katrina. And it was called Imagine a Place. And we had the brochure, and we bought land, and everybody, and then the hurricane comes, and we lose 2,000 people in one month, or actually in one day. People moving away, Pastor, I'm in North Carolina, I'm staying, Pastor, I'm in Dallas, I'm staying, Pastor, I'm in Houston, I'm staying, you know, wherever. And, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, what about the dream? Just because your dream's tested doesn't mean it's not from God. That dream is tested. By the way, every dream from God is tested. One of the things I've learned as I've walked with Jesus for over 30 years is God's delays are not God's denials. Let me say that again. God's delays are not God's denials. And the fact is that Abram and Sarah, they missed that. And the same way in my heart, there was a struggle in my heart. In the same way as a church, and I want to say this to all the people in all of our Gulf Coast region and all those campuses, you may feel as though, my gosh, my dream, your business Something was broken and messed up even in the aftermath of Hurricane Ida. But let me tell you something. Just because there's a delay doesn't mean it's a denial. God, God is going to see you through and come out better on the other side. I think about our church through Hurricane Katrina and then through oil spills and through recessions and, and through COVID. And, and if we just don't give up and we stick with God, God will see us through and bring us out stronger. We've got to see it that way. And there's always, there's always that temptation. By the way, I heard somebody say one time, God is never late. I would like to say this. He's definitely never early at all. If anything, he tends towards the late. But Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, we say that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith in what? What's that next word? Say it out loud. Patience. Inherit the promises of God. We love the faith messages. Pastor, preach a faith message. Pastor, we're going to step out in faith. We're going to, we're going to step out in faith. We love that. Bust through barriers. Believe God. God is able to do exceedingly. We, don't we love those messages? Who has ever heard, I've never done it, a six-part series on patience? Matter of fact, we ought to do that. I'm thinking about that. That'll be a big win. But there's two sides of the coin. You don't inherit the dream that God's put in your heart just through faith. You all with me? It's through faith and patience. We inherit the promise of God. Yeah, I want to encourage you right now. As I've walked with Jesus over 30 years, in my life personally, my family, our church, Church of the King, those of you that have been so impacted recently, the last couple of weeks with Hurricane Ida, I'm telling you, God's delays are not God's denials. God's dream, if it's God's dream, it will see you through. Hold on to it. <laughs> with all of your heart, hold on to God. God's got a plan. Let me give you the last and final thing. Y'all learn anything yet? Is this helping anybody? I hope this is three people. Thank you. I'm working harder than y'all are clapping, that's for sure. But anyway, here we go. All right, everybody say, I want you to shout it out loud. Say, God is 
the dream giver. Say delays are always inevitable. Let me say one more thing about that. I'll give you a third and final point and then we'll close. I don't have all the deep theological insights of why there are delays, but I'm going to give you one. One. Pastor, why there are delays? I think because God is so committed to us that he's doing something on the inside of us before he does something through us. Let me say it this way. I think God is so committed to us. He's, his desire is to build character in us so that we actually have the character to handle what he wants to do through us. Just remember that. Let me give you the third and final thing. You ready for this? I love this. God's timing is always perfect. Genesis chapter 21, verse one. Here it is. The Bible says, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Is God a man that he should lie? No. Just like he said. The Lord did just as he had spoken. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and born Abraham a son in his old age. By the way, guess what? He's a hundred She's 90. Pastor Steve, am I going to have to wait 25 years? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. Could be a year. Could be a month. Could be third. I don't know. But I know one thing. God's got to set time. For Sarah conceived and born Abraham a son in his old age, comma, at the set time which God had spoken to him. At the set time. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah born Isaac. You know the word Isaac means laughter. Doesn't it bring joy in your heart when you finally see the promise fulfilled? Isn't it powerful? Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, whom he, who was eight days old, as God had commanded. And now Abraham was 100 years old when he, his son Isaac was born at 100 years. Isn't that amazing? And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh. And all who hear will laugh with me. And she also said, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah, who would nurse children, for I have borne him a son in his old age. The point is, in his old age, the point is, God answered in his timing. Man, this is tough. When I got back from Bible school, again, I started working at that restaurant, cleaning office buildings on the weekend, started going to graduate school and seminary, and I wanted to preach so much. I, had, I felt like I had a word in my heart, and of course, that day when I left that restaurant, Semolina's restaurant, and I just like, I wouldn't, how long am I have to do this for all these preachers? My friends are preaching all over the place and youth pastors in these great places. And the associate pastor of the church that I lived with at the time, he and his wife, I lived, I rented an upstairs part of their place and, and God spoke to him and gave, gave him a vision. And it was, he saw himself speaking at East Jefferson High School in Metairie on a, on a stage. He'd gone to high school there. He saw himself speaking and, and to teenagers and he went to the principal and the principal said you can do it was a thousand kids and there were some parameters he gave and he said he was able to meet with the kids after school and I was there and there was a thousand kids and he met the following week and there was 10 kids and then the following week there was eight kids the following week there was five I remember this is now September of 1993 and I remember he looked at me and he said Steve I, I don't feel like I can I don't feel like I'm connecting with these kids and I'm going to ask you, would you, I think you should just do it. And I said, pastor, I'll do it, but I don't really like teenagers. He says, I think you should do it. So I took it on and I just started serving what God had put in his heart and it started growing and multiplying. And then 
went to 40 kids and then 50 kids and then 60 kids. And then I said, hey, maybe I'll do it at lunchtime. I started raising money from business people and started buying pizza for kids. And next thing you know, we had 100 kids by Christmas. Then we went into another school in Bonneville High School and Grace King. And by the end of the year, we're in four schools, 400 kids a, 400 kids a week we were preaching to. And remember, I didn't even like teenagers. Well, they grew on me. Let me say it that way. They say, Pastor, what is that all about? Matter of fact, you can go today, nextgenerationsclub.com, nextgenclubs.com, and you can see there's thousands of kids in the whole southeast Louisiana, Baton Rouge, and, and all over the greater New Orleans area, Mississippi Gulf Coast, that are in, and even beyond that, that are next-gen clubs. Why is that important? Why is that important? Let me just help everybody. While you're waiting on your dream to come to pass, why don't you serve somebody else's? It's actually the only thing that you can do. Because ultimately, it's not our dream. It's God's, it was God's dream that God had placed in that man's heart. It wasn't his dream. It, God has a plan to reach people. God has a plan for your business. God has a plan for your family. God has a plan for you. And, and I don't want to say this respectfully. Some people, maybe you are waiting to be married. or waiting, Maybe you're waiting to have children. And, and why don't you be the best aunt or uncle you can be until you have your own? Does that make sense? Why don't you be the best employee while you're serving your employer, while you're waiting to get your own business? In other words, why don't you serve somebody else's dream that, that, that positions you to receive the dream that God has for you in the set time? I don't believe that you can speed it up, but I believe you can delay it and even slow it down. Yeah. I think about Church of the King. I think about what God has for us. I don't know what God's going to do, but I know this. We're going to keep reaching people and building lives for Jesus. Baton Rouge, they asked us a couple years ago, the church up there asked us, would you come? It was a Macedonian call, just like Atlanta. Calvary Chapel, the same thing happened in Bay St. Louis. Would you come? Same thing happened in Biloxi. We planted a church after Hurricane Katrina. The pastor came to us and said, would you take it back? Same thing happened on the South Shore. We had 200 people coming. Every one of our campuses is the same way. It's never been our idea. And the same thing with Atlanta South. It's people said, would you come? Why is that important? It just helps me to know it's God's dream. Now, we've got to steward it, but we don't birth it. God births it. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're in a place right now and you're just like, man, pastor, I just, I just feel in my heart right now, there's just, there's so much that I'm just grappling with because it looks as though the dream's not coming to pass. I'm going to pray for every single one of those people. But before I do that, I want to look right. I want to look at every single campus right now. Do you know Christ? I'm going to pray for all the people that are waiting for their dream to come. Before I do that, do you know Jesus? I ask you that. If you die today, are, are you ready to stand before God? Do you know that you know that you know that you're right with God? Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. But when you trust Christ, he's the one that saves. He washes you with his blood. He's the one that cleanses you. He's the one that puts his spirit in you and makes you new. Do you know Christ? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed at every campus, I'm going to pray for you right now. If you say, Pastor Steve, pray for me right now. I, I'm not sure about my relationship with God. The count of three. I'm just going to ask you for a show of hands. If you say, Pastor Steve, would you pray for me? And I'm going to ask every campus pastor just to wait because I want to lead everybody through another prayer. So all the campuses, stay with me through the second prayer as well, if you would. If you say, Pastor, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. If that's you, would you just put your hand up right now? The count of three. One, two, three. Just hold it up. Okay, let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for what you're seeing, for all, all those hands right now. I thank you that you are the one that's watching. I'm gonna ask everybody to pray with me. Can y'all all pray with me together? Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus.
I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. Wash me, forgive me, and make me new. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit in every man, woman, boy, and girl's heart that prayed that prayer in Jesus' name. Look at me. Every campus pastor, just stay with me just for a moment. If you prayed that prayer online at any of our physical locations, I'm going to ask you to do something. You can text the word decision to 822-822 or let your online host know that. We'd love to send you some information of what it means to walk with Jesus on a daily basis. But I want to do one more thing before we close. I want to pray for people right now. I want to pray for people because I know there's a lot of people hurting right now that, man, they feel like they're in that in-between phase. And man, you just need God's grace just to touch you right now. Can I just pray for you? I'm going to pray for every single person. Everybody's head's bowed. Pastors, you can be on the stage right now. Let's just pray because I'm going to turn it back to you in just one moment. Let me just pray. Jesus, I pray right now for those that are, they're in that waiting phase right now. And boy, the enemy's lying to them, tormenting them, trying to put thoughts in their mind that God's forgotten about them. That's a lie from hell. God's not forgotten you. God's not forsaken you. He's with you. It's his timing. He's working in you. He's positioning you for good things in his grace. Lord, I thank you. Touch your people with your strength, with your grace and your love. Lord, give them standing power, staying power, to not throw in the towel, but to stay and to wait in your perfect timing to come to pass. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap right now? Can we just bless the Lord? God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.